0: Father, thank you for times like these that we can just gather together and uh, learn from your word. We ask, uh, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you make your word uh, uh, accessible to us? Would you, would you meet us here, would you, wherever we are, uh, just kind of in our relationship with you, or just even considering what you're all about and all that sort of thing? Lord, would you, just, would you touch us? We long to, to learn from you today, so we ask that you, you to do that in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, happy almost Thanksgiving to you. Uh, it's that time of year. I, I know a lot of you guys will be will be traveling uh, some part of this week. Uh, be safe. I do not envy those of you guys who are traveling to the LA area on the five. Um, I'm actually going to be doing that myself. We're like, let's fly. Let's figure that one out. Um, but hope it's a great time. Uh, if uh, th- if you're new today, uh, we're, we're continuing our series through the Book of Philippians uh, called Finding Joy. And what I'm really I- I'm really excited about today's text. For, for a couple of reasons, but one, I, I rea- I'm really thankful that uh, we are going through kind of a book as opposed to, you know, say, for instance, just kind of picking a topic and then matching a scripture text to talk about the topic. Um, because what we see in today's text is we get uh, a lot more out of it because we've kind of been building our way towards it. This is not a text that we would probably just pick out of a hat and say, hey, let's study it. It's kind of a little bit of a random one in that regard. But because it's been building on what we've been looking at over the last few weeks, there's much more here for us. And if you've just been coming for the first time today and you, you haven't been hearing the last couple weeks, that's okay. You'll be able to track. Um, but here's what we've been seeing. Paul has been building the case of saying, because of what God has done for you, live, in these, live these life principles, these powerful life principles that everyone needs, but church especially, lead out in this. Because of what God's done for you, lead out in this. He started with saying, uh, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." He said things like, "Live in humility." He said, "Look to others' interests first before your own." Last week, uh, channeling uh, his inner Arnold Schwarzenegger, two thousand years before he came around, if you guys were here with us, he said, "Do not." Uh, he said, "Work out your salvation." Uh, do uh, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, work out your salvation. You know, to take this very seriously. And sorry, uh, that's me get working away into. Uh, working another impression in today that I uh, should have left behind last week. Um, my buddy who loved Arnold Schwarzenegger did a Bible study on that, and he channeled his Arnold Schwarzenegger when he said that. I'll never forget A lot of you guys will never forget that. Uh, it's probably better if we did. But he said, do not work out, he said, work out your salvation. What he was saying is take it serious. Like, your faith has to translate into action is what he was saying. And then also last week we took, but he, he said, look, if you want to shine like stars in the culture around you, do nothing. He said, he said, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Don't complain. Which that, I've been thinking about that even this week, even though we looked at it last week. How true is that today, when he, as true as it was he said, when he said it 2,000 years ago, if you want to really shine out among people, don't complain. That's true today. And then finally, he just kind of uh, summarized his thoughts last week by saying this thought, this life principle. He said, live sacrificially. Live sacrificially for others. So he's been building all these, these, these life principles, these words of wisdom, and the reality is they're quite lofty concepts. And to top it all off, at one point he even says, yeah, follow the example of Jesus. You guys remember that, who you were here? He says, your mindset, your attitude, it should be like Jesus. Well, thanks for that, Paul. You know, it's like, that's a helpful example. I mean, it is. We need to learn from Jesus, the perfect example of humility and living out all these things. But in another respect, it's like, we're not Jesus, Like There's just no way we're going to be able to do this, which brings us to today's text and what Paul is doing here. He's been talking about all these theological thoughts, these life principles, and now he leaves that aside for a second. He says, here, I want to give you two flesh-and-blood, real-life examples of two people you know, Philippian Church, living this out. Two people, a guy named Timothy and a guy named Epaphroditus that the Philippian church would have known. We'll look into their backstory, understand a little bit about them. But Paul is saying, you know, all these principles we've been talking about, they're doable. They're attainable. Look to the example of Timothy and look to the example of Epaphroditus. And you will understand that. You will see that. You'll be able to live these things out. So what I want to do is look at these two servants that Timothy points out, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and then I want to take a step back and consider with you, what, now what does this mean for us today? Uh, wh- what, can we, what can we make of this text in our lives today? So first we see uh, Timothy as the example that kind of Paul holds up, and this, this is in verses 19 through 24. I'll talk a little bit more about Timothy as, as we move forward, but basically he amounted to Paul's right-hand man. Paul would go around starting churches, strengthening churches that he had, he, had already, he had previously started, and Timothy was his guy, his companion from very early on that he was taken around to help him do that. And then when there was trouble in, in areas, he would often send Timothy in his stead while Paul was either in prison, couldn't go, or, or other things kind of held him up. But what I want you to notice here. Are all the links when he describes Timothy in the text that we're looking at today? All the links to previous concepts we've been looking at over the last few weeks, and that I've, I've actually just mentioned uh, here by way of introduction. Verse 21, Paul says, "Of everyone, everyone out there looks for their own looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ." Implicit- implying that, but not so with Timothy. Timothy does that. That's a link to what I shared a little bit ago. That's Philippians 2. Verse 4, it says, do everything for the interest of of others and not not for yourself. Timothy's doing that, Paul says. Verse 22, you know Timothy has proved himself. Again, this is kind of the work out your salvation thought that we looked at last week. You've got, the faith has to translate to action. This has got to be lived out. It can't just be thought about and said, okay, I like that thought, cool. You've got to live it out. And what Paul is saying is that's what Timothy's doing. He's proven himself. You guys know that about him. Uh, Second part of verse 22, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. That little thought there, as a son, uh, there's a number of things we could pull out, but one thought there clearly is Timothy lived with a lot of humility. I mean, if he came alongside Paul as kind of a spiritual father coming under his authority, there was humility there. He was willing to go along with Paul and understand and learn from him. Also that same verse, because as a son with the father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. That word serve is actually should be literally translated into English as slaved. He slaved over this whole work with me. I can't help but think about that thought Paul talked about last week. In summary, he's like, this is all about sacrifice. Well, Timothy was going so hard after this that he was a slave to it. He bent everything towards living for these things that we're talking about. You know Timothy. Here's the guy. He, you can be like him. Now, what kind of servant is Timothy? What is, what is Paul teaching to us, to Timothy? Here's the thought that kind of came to my mind as, you, as we summarize who he is. Timothy was the I am second servant. Everything in his life, he was thinking about it from I am second. Things that I care about are second. Now, second to What? The interest of others, that's part of it. I mean, it says he looks to the interest of others, not himself, okay, but that's that's, that's only part of it. Was he second to Paul? Well, he came under his spiritual uh, leadership and authority as a son to a father, so that's part of it. But really, the summarizing thought here we see a couple of times is Timothy, he says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, And then Paul says again about Timothy, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. In other words, in everything, Timothy was asking, how am I second to what God is doing around me? How can I be a part of the things that he is doing? How can I love others because God first loved them and calls me to do that? Everything in Timothy's life was trying to think about, how do I make myself second to that thought? Um, From the very first day that Paul met Timothy, this is in Acts 16. You can look at it if you want. From the very first day Paul met Timothy, Timothy was just kind of open to being a part of what Paul was about because he saw something in Paul when Paul was traveling through Timothy's hometown, Lystra, talking to the churches there, encouraging the people there in the faith. Timothy saw something in Paul. He's like, you know what? I want to be about that. I want to be a part of that. Timothy, from best we know, is between the ages of, of 15 and and 20, probably about 18 years old. What are you doing, or what were you doing when you were 18 years old? What was your life perspective there? Probably had a lot of things going on, a lot of distractions, all that sort of thing, but bigger picture, you're probably thinking about, what am I going to do with my life? Now, we live in 21st century America, so there's some differences. We could pick colleges, we could pick career, we could do all that sort of, so it's, there's some difference. but Timothy had his whole life in front of him. Here is this guy, Paul, coming through, and Timothy just makes a little connection that God is doing something through him, and he says, you know what? I want my life to be about that. And off starts a 15-year relationship between Paul and Timothy going around doing the things that Paul was doing. Timothy was hanging out with him 15 years when he was in jail. when When Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1, he says he's writing it with Timothy by his side. And then after Paul was, was finally uh, killed for his faith, Timothy continued to strengthen the churches. And it's interesting. When, when Timothy was thinking about how am I second, he even did it in terms of like figuring out how to work this out in terms in, in, his, in his personality, in his makeup. There were some times we have recorded here in the early letters that Paul writ, wrote to other churches where some stuff went down in these churches. I mean, there's people coming in, doing false teaching, trying to get the churches all divided and doing all these weird stuff. And Paul sent Timothy to go do it. Here's what's interesting to me in that thought. is Timothy, from the best we understand, he was kind of a timid guy. Paul was constantly having to say, hey, be bold, Timothy. God gives us a spirit of boldness. You can do this. And what did Timothy do? Probably introverted self, probably not very confrontational self. He went and he said, you know what? i got to be second for the good of these people, to love and to help them. He was in every way, in terms of his life perspective, in terms of even his temperament, being willing to do the things that made him uncomfortable, he was always thinking, God, how can I make you first? How can I follow you? How can I be a part of the things that you're doing? Have you ever known somebody like that? That just everything in their life is bent towards trying to figure out how to be a blessing to others? Classic example are moms. You know, moms, oh my goodness, just across the board, they just put their, their interests, their own interests, they live, they live for their kids. But here's what's interesting, and this is not to like say, reduce anything I just said about moms. Moms are amazing. But often that's for, we think about that in terms of for their kids, right? Have you known somebody where their whole life is bent towards strangers, people you just never, they're just thinking about them. They're just, that's their life perspective. How can I be second to what it is I can be a part of in helping others? I had a buddy who became a bit of a mentor of mine. It was never like a formal relationship, that kind of, you know, thing. But he, he became a kind of a mentor of mine, a guy named Andrew. And his story is this. He grew up in East Oakland, uh, the part of the very rough inner city part of Oakland. He was in gangs in his youth. And uh, I remember he told me how he became a Christian one day. Uh, he was he was invited to these youth group functions where they'd have like food in the back and then they'd do songs over here and like a, a, a Bible lesson or whatever. He'd go to those things because they had Free food and hot girls, his words. Um, that's why he'd go. And then what he'd do when he got there is he'd hang out in the back, and he'd steal from all the backpacks that were left in the back. And then he'd usually leave. Like, that was his deal. That's what he told me. And, he said, and I remember he said, he said, I don't, I don't know what happened. One night, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this stuff. Like, let's see what happens. So he, li- he goes, and he listens to the Bible teaching that day. And I'm not making that. he's like, uh, not like necessarily right on the spot, but just about, he's just like, life change, like his whole life, like he's just like, oh, my goodness, God has done that for me in Jesus? Like one of those moments of his whole life changed essentially right then and there. And he started to live a different life. He started to take academics quite seriously. He, went, uh, he left the hood and went and got a good education to come back to the hood and to minister there, to love and to serve people there, to get involved, to help with at-risk youth there. He started working with churches because he he saw, not only from his growing understanding of the Bible, but from his own experience, that that's where some real powerful life change happens. He wanted to be about that, and so he dedicated his whole life to that. And here he was, around that time, uh, mentoring me and a couple other of my friends. Uh, I wasn't like super rich at the time or whatever, but, you know, there there was some contrast here. And what was amazing about Andrew, like he would open up the Bible with us, he'd he'd share, you know, I I learned some stuff from him, I can't quote for you what he taught me, I don't have any wise saying that this guy taught me, but I can tell you, seeing him live his life so bent towards others and thinking about him, he is now living back in inner city Oakland, gunshots every week with his family of four, four four kids, family of five. Uh, That's the kind of guy he is. That's the kind of guy Timothy is. Now... Everything becomes second. Here, this is worth saying. If you know someone like that, it's rare. Okay, just experientially speaking, but Paul calls that out. He said, I've known no one, there's no one else like Timothy. He, he alone is doing this. It's rare. But I, what I believe Paul is showing the Philippian church through the example of Timothy and, and for us today is we can take steps towards asking the same questions. How can we be second? How can we approach life of saying, you know what? I'm going to live for others. If you're, if you, how can God I be used based on my temperament, my abilities, my giftings, the opportunities you put before me to to be a part of your things. Uh, there's this great website that I came out, uh, found uh, this week, and I borrowed some of the terminology as you'll see. Um, it's called I, it's IAmSecond.org. I think I think is the the URL back. What do you call that thing? The last three three letters. Um, It's all about it's it's this this Christian group that has um, uh, captured video stories of people from all walks of life, and they've actually done a really good job, which I don't always say about Christian production stuff. I mean, it's usually kind of hit or miss. These guys have done a really good job. They've kind of interviewed three-minute stories of each of folks from all walks of life. uh, You know, pretty high-level actors, high-level athletes. Uh, but not just famous people, uh, people working in business, people working in medicine, um, people who are really wrestling with with real issues like body image and just all these sorts of stuff. Uh, One really interesting one that I almost encourage uh, most of you to go check out is there's a lot of um, techies, dare I say yuppies, uh, very affluent uh, people, Um, and what are they all talking about, they're all talking about how they came to a reali- realization that they had been living first for something else, and now they're declaring, now they're saying, I want to live second to what God's doing. And what's really powerful is you'll watch this, and you'll be like, oh my goodness, that actor? First of all, I didn't realize that they were Christian. Second of all, I didn't realize they were living out these values, but you listen to their story, you're like, oh my goodness, they're doing it very intentionally. They're doing it quietly, but their whole perspective is in life, how do I live second for the things that God is doing around me? How can I be a part of that? And I think that's the question that Paul wants us to ask today, 2,000 years later, as we're the church reading this text today. Is how can we be second in the workplace? How can we be second in our neighborhood, in our, in our homes? Uh, how can we be second? Uh, the next um, next example is a guy named Epaphroditus. We'll look at his example, and then we'll, we'll draw some of these thoughts together. Epaphroditus, I love his example because Timothy, okay, he's kind of this church leader. Okay, he's really living this out. He is attainable. He, there's some thoughts that we can learn from, but this next guy, he's super relatable. I mean, we're talking probably blue-collar. This guy is just down to earth. I, I think if there's anybody we can really say, you know what, okay, I can do that. It's Epaphroditus. All we know about Epaphroditus, for what it's worth, is essentially in this text, Timothy, you, probably, you can read a lot about Timothy. There's a lot in the Bible about Timothy. You can study him, understand him. Epaphroditus, here these are these about five sentences. That's about it. Who is this guy? It's interesting what Paul, how Paul describes him. He has some pretty high words of praise for this guy. He says, verse 25, he's, he's my brother, my coworker, my fellow soldier. Okay? Now, what I want to point out is this is kind of a big deal. That little word, my, what personal possessive pronoun, that's a big deal. Paul could have said he's a brother, he's a fellow worker, he's a a fellow soldier, but he doesn't. He modifies and he says, my, which is saying he's equating Epaphroditus with Paul himself. Paul was a big deal. Paul was the guy, other than Jesus, probably had the biggest impact of the spread of the Christian faith going throughout the world today. If you are a non-Jew Christian today, you could probably trace it back to Paul's influence. That's Paul. And Paul is saying, this guy, he's my fellow brother. He's my fellow worker. He's my fellow soldier. My fellow brother, there's, he speaks of intimacy about Epaphroditus. There's a kinship there. My fellow worker, that to me is the craziest of all. He's saying, of all the things that, you, that I've been able to be a part of and do, Epaphroditus is a key player in that. He's got to be a part. I'm gonna, he's credited to some of that. And then he says, my fellow soldier, in other words, he's saying, my brother in arms. He's saying, There's, this is like warfare. We're going at it, and Epaphroditus is right in the thick of it with me. High praise for this random guy that this is all that we have in the Bible about him. It's no wonder that Paul says, skipping down to verse 29, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Why? Because he almost died for the work of Christ. Okay, what I'm doing right now is setting the table. Who is this Epaphroditus? Why is he so important? Why does Paul equate him with himself, with all the amazing things that Paul's done, and he says, you guys got to honor people like this. Well, he almost died. What was he doing? Why was he so special? Listen to this. Verse 25 tells us, he is your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. Are you following me? What he's saying, this is why Epaphrodites is so awesome. What Paul is saying is, he came to take care of me. He was my caretaker. He was my personal assistant, just taking care of things. He was your delivery boy. Does that sound like an awesome thing? Does that sound like something that you should equate with someone like a Paul? If it doesn't, it means we're seeing it from our own lens, and not Paul's lens, not God's lens. God honors people like a paproditus. Who is Epaphroditus? What's the model, life example he is for us? He's the behind-the-scenes servant. He's the guy who is doing the stuff that nobody sees. Maybe the other Philippian church guys, people didn't really want to do. Take a letter 550 miles from modern-day Greece, Philippi, to Rome. That doesn't sound too cool. To take care of Paul, be with him while he's in jail, and just kind of care for his needs. He was the behind-the-scenes servant here for Paul. And Paul is saying, that's what it's all about. I think in God's economics, we tend to think that's the flashy, that's the highly visible stuff that matters the most. That's how our world operates, no? But what Paul is saying, it's not always that way. It's the stuff that people don't recognize. It's the people that they don't necessarily see or even understand. It's faithfulness and obedience to being a part of what God's doing. And it's in this way that God accomplishes some of the most amazing things. But we often fail to do it because we're not approaching things like Epaphroditus, willing to do the behind-the-scenes work. But God's often moving that way. I remember uh, a friend who had the privilege of, of baptizing. She became a friend of mine. Uh, and she was telling me her story of how she had come to the place of wanting to be baptized, how she had put her faith in Jesus. She had gone through a really hard time in life. Um, just, just a hard time, I, I won't go into the details, but she, she, she was facing something hard, and she, though she had never been to church before, she had some sort of like feeling that, it's like, you know what, I, there, I, there's God, God's there, God, I think you're there. And she just had this, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to church, I think that's what I'm supposed to do, right, I'm going I'm to go to church. So she went, she found a church, and it actually wasn't a very good experience for her, she left actually quite discouraged, quite disappointed because nobody really welcomed her or, you know, she just, she didn't know what to do. She just felt kind of like in the back, out, outcast type deal. She got home and she said, well, I'm going to try again. So she went back to another church and into, to another church the following week after that, each time leaving really discouraged. And she got to the place where she's just like, I don't know how this works. God, if you're there, I, what, what do I do? So after a few weeks of not going to any church anymore, just saying, you know, forget that, she decided, you know what, okay, God, if you're there, I'm going to try this one more time. I'm going to go check, check out a church. So she ended up going to church, um, and uh, everything changed. She said somebody, so someone saw her, uh, smiled at her, and helped her get connected. Uh, she sat down, and she said, I, and I heard the gospel for the first time, the good news that God loves me in Jesus, and he's made a way back to him through what Jesus did on the cross. I heard that for the first time, and I thought about it all that next week, and Then she came back again. Again, she was welcomed, then she sat down, and this time she heard the, she heard the words of, of the gospel words, and she said, you know what, that's it, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, this is what it's all about. And so I was listening to her share that story, and I was kind of struck by, by something she said in there, something that just stuck out to me. I asked her, I said, Elizabeth, uh, her name, I said, I said, Elizabeth, wait a minute, you're telling me that you're now getting baptized, you ultimately put your faith in Jesus because someone smiled at you? At church that day? And that led you to. And she thought about it for a sec. She kind of looked off to the side. And then she said, You know, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, someone smiled at me. And I'm sitting there like, Boy, I wonder who that person was. But God knows who that person is. That's an Epaphroditus. That is somebody who is living, who who's living, and just you know, in, in the spot, in the moment, just making themselves available to just loving somebody, just caring for them, and it led to somebody put their faith in Jesus. You know, I, I th- it makes it, you. Paul says, honor people like this. It makes me think of our welcoming team, our ushering team who come here, I mean, these guys these guys are great. They get here, you know, the Ushering team, they get here and they're, they're setting up the chairs. And, they, you know, they really, I saw, I saw them today. They're, and I won't share names because I don't want to embarrass everybody and miss names and that sort of thing. But I saw, I saw one sitting up here today, like sitting there trying to figure out where's the best spot. And I know, having had conversations, that it's not just a, hey, we want to make sure it's a good spot so that, you know, we have the chairs where we, it, it, the thought process is how do I help people make connections? How do I help people make connections to God in a worship service? How do I make, help people make connections to each other? That's the heart there. Uh, it, th- it makes me think of a gal who was on hospitality last week. Uh, she's, she's not here today. Uh, who, who was there serving last week, setting up the coffee, doing that sort of thing. And I heard through the grapevine that she had left um, visiting her family up in Sacramento, like 6 o'clock in the morning that day, to get down here to serve. Like that's what she had done. I heard that. I went up to her. I said, Man, that's amazing! Thank you so much for being here. What'd she say? Well, f- it's my pleasure. Are you kidding? That's, it's my joy to do this. I was like, well, of course, of course. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking. I'm like, of course. And then, by the way, I started talking to. I I I, I called and talked to her husband uh, this week. Something completely unrelated. And I was, and I was reminded during that conversation. Um, of what she had done, and her family had stayed back, because they have kids, and to get down, there, that's hard. And I said, hey, I just want to say thank you so much. I, I know that she came down here, and was here real early, you know, to do that. I know that must have impacted your family, and that sort of thing, thanks for doing He said, oh, yeah, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, no, we got up early, and all that sort of thing. Hey, but no, it's our, pr- uh, it's our privilege. It's our joy. It's like, of course, of course. You know, I, somebody put their faith in Jesus here last Sunday, uh, during the service, and I can't help but think that it's God working through the Epaphroditus to make that happen. That's how it works. I can't help but think of, of somebody who's pretty new to the church, um, and the first time I met him just a few weeks ago was he, he jumped on board and was tearing down the equipment the first day. Like, hey, who are you? Like, oh, hi, oh, hi, nice to meet you just kind of tackling it. And the next week, just saying, this is, this is and, and talking to him, he's like, well, this is what I love to do. This is where I have a really heart to just help and just be behind the scenes and get this stuff done and help helping others. And um, I sent him an email this week. Uh, this is all non secular. I wasn't trying to, like, set all this stuff up. And I was just like, hey, thank you. Um, and he said, well, it's my privilege to do that. I was like, okay, this is Epaphroditus. Uh, there was uh, Cindy talk, took an awesome picture of uh, some of on our setup team last week in the kids' rooms in the nursery. They were wiping down with disinfectant wipes all the like, kids' mats and toys for the kids. And I saw this picture, they have huge smiles on their face. They're on their knee, hands and knees, like wiping it all up. And I'm like, those guys are risking their lives for the gospel. That bacteria is mean. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, okay. In all seriousness, it's like, that's what this is about. I wanna, hmm. That's what this is all about. It's, it's looking at Timothy's example. How can we be second? And it's looking, how can I be behind the scenes of surf? Because that's what we're called to do. And Paul, in, in, in saying, hey, look at Timothy, look at Epaphroditus. This is attainable. You can do this. You can take steps towards this. You can be a part of the things that God's doing. You've got to look at it from their perspective. But here's where it seems to me that this text starts to begin to say, well, what do we do with that today? What do we do with that today? We're, we are, number one, to ask ourselves the question, how can we be second? I encourage you to think about that this week. That's something we can all grow in. We were thinking about how can we help behind the scenes, that sort of thing. Um, Even in the, like, workplace where you might not get credit or somebody might not even recognize what you're doing, we need to be second. All that sort of thing. But to me, here's where this starts to say, okay, I'm now seeing a little bit under the the surface what's going on here. We need the Timothys and the Epaphrodituses today. What was the link for these guys? How did the... the Philippian church know these guys and were, they were able to learn from them because they were in community together. Because they understood, they were in church community on mission together, and they were able to understand and learn from each other. I think we need to be each other's Timothy's and Epaphroditus. And in that way we grow to become all the more the people that Paul is saying, that God behind Paul is saying, this is what we are to live out. These are the life principles. I'd be remiss not to say here are a couple of practical ways. One, I'd say, man, if, if you if you haven't signed up for well, we're wrapping up our season right now, uh, fall, but we're going to start back up in the new year. We'll have signups. But think about joining a current a small group. Um, this last week, uh, we were um, studying. So so last Sunday we talked about the, the concept of do everything without grumbling. Don't don't complain. Okay? And so last week, we looked at an example in the Old Testament of the Israelites complaining, okay? and we were learning more life principles there. I was like, man, there's so much to be grateful for, there's so much to be you know, uh, joyful about, even when situations are hard. All these kind of more life principles, we were thinking about those things, and then at one point, at one point, one of the guys, he said something like this. Oh my goodness, I realize, now you know, hear me out, I realize I've been doing an okay job not grumbling in this, in this area of my life. And in this area of my life, this area of my life. But boy, I am, I'm really struggling, guys, with this. Complaining, and this side, and these relationships. And it was in that moment, I was like, that's what I needed to hear. Are you, are you tracking with me? I had been studying the Bible all that night. We had been looking at the story, these life principle truths, considering them. I had even been asking the question myself, what does this mean for me? And I would come to some sort of conclusion. But when he said that, it was like, boom. I needed to hear it living out in his life. Exam- I needed to hear what a Timothy and an Epaphroditus in our midst had to say about that, think about that, wrestle with that, and that's the moment it hit home for me. Are you, f- are you following this? That's what we need. we need. We need the Timothys, we need the Epaphroditus, and w- we need to be those for others. Find a current group. The other obvious one is there's a, there's a place to serve. And from the bottom of my heart, I'm not just pushing, hey, we need to get stuff done. That We're a portable church. We need to get up and, you know, this, this doesn't happen on its own, which is all true logistically. All hands on deck is really helpful. But from the bottom of my heart, the bigger thing in my mind that's going is this is the opportunity to connect and make relationships and rub shoulders with the Epaphroditus and the Timothys. Just about my, f- my favorite time of the week are Sunday mornings, getting here and hanging out with the team because I'm reminded that church we're not just playing church. We are a church is a people on mission. And how I'm reminded of that is seeing and being a part of the people who are doing that, or who are being that. And it's in that way that we get to see the Timothy see the Epaphrodites, and be grow and be changed, be challenged, be encouraged to live more towards others, to be humble. To not seek selfish ambition, but think about things from a more lowly perspective. Asking ourselves, how can I be second? Asking ourselves, how how can we be behind the scenes serves? Why? Because none of us are Jesus. And that's actually the point. Jesus is not just the example. He's the one who's paved the way in that the best contribution that we give is pointing each other to him pointing to the one who made it available. I love this last thought, and this will be in closing. You know, Timothy, uh, Paul, writing about Timothy, uh, excuse me, Epaphroditus at the very end says, "Uh, honor guys like these, for he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give, Philippian church. Sounds pretty cool. But isn't he only pointing to Jesus, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life? For us in a way that no one else could have provided any church any church member this is all in our limitations pointing people to Jesus if we don't have it figured out Timothy didn't have it all figured out he struggled read about read the letters Paul wrote to him in first and second Timothy he struggled with this and that's the point we get to point each other to Jesus the one who's made us available the one who chose to be second that we might be first the one who worked behind the scenes, didn't come to much fanfare. Even on the cross, all his followers essentially abandoned him. It was his critics who stayed. Jesus was constantly asking, how can I be second? And he, was all, he was constantly serving behind the scenes. Why? Because he was looking to our interests first, and he was therefore then making it possible for us to do the same. And that is our great joy, church, church family, is we get to point people to him in serving each other, serving others, asking how am I second, how can I be second, and how can I even do it behind the scenes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, thank you for this text that is, you know, man, maybe not one that we pick on our own. Just it's, it's, it's kind of you know, real specific to that church then and there, these two individuals, but nonetheless is actually really helpful to think about. Thank you for these down-to-earth, flesh-and-blood models of these two guys who are, who are living the truth. You call us out to live. It is doable. It is attainable, not because we're perfect. We've got it all figured out, but that's the point because you made it possible. You paved the way. Please give us this proper perspective. Help us to choose ourselves second this week. Help us to serve in ways that we might not get recognition or credit because it's what you would call us to do and be for their best anyhow. For in this way, we want to point each other and others still to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.